Welcome to Breaking Business Barriers, where we believe that choosing to go all in is the only way to create true freedom in your business and life. Now join your hosts, Brent Duhame, Dr. Joseph Kay, and Brandon Straza, as they talk to industry leaders, veteran CEOs, and cutting edge entrepreneurs about the tough decisions they made on their way to success. This is Breaking Business Barriers. Welcome to another edition of Breaking Business Barriers. Bringing a guest all the way from Thailand today. How about that? It's uh, it's really cool. We got a great connection, which sometimes across the globe you never know what may happen. But but it's a really really cool and compelling story, no doubt about it. Let me uh, let me introduce Josh Reef. Josh, you want to uh, tell us a little bit about? Uh, about yourself and uh, let's just jump right into some breaking business barriers. Sure, yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, so I run a men's community called M-Force where we help men gain confidence in dating, social skills, leadership, networking, kind of all the things that maybe an awkward guy needs help with. Um, so we have like this community that, that I'm building, you know, globally where we bring all these guys in and you know, train them on these skills that I've developed over the last few decades. Um, so that's what we do. And yeah, it's a pretty exciting, you know, time for me. I've come from the medical field and gone through different entrepreneurial pursuits. And now I've kind of found what I really kind of been destined to be doing is helping working with other men and helping other guys succeed in these areas. So That, that is so cool. And you know, coming from the medical field, Josh is pretty humble, and we'll we'll get into it a little bit further. But uh, uh, as a as a doctor making a shift, that's a pretty that's a pretty big big deal. And someone would probably ask them, be asking themselves, why would he do that? But you know, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Again, Josh, thank you so much for being a guest of Breaking Business Barriers. Hey, before we get too far into it, what's uh, what's your uh, what? What pieces of social media do you most often use and where, where can people find you? Sure. So uh, I use Facebook the most. Uh, so it's best to just find me on Facebook, Josh Reef. Uh, I also have a, a free Facebook group called Motivated Men. Uh, and that's a good way to get started with our material. And then, you know, guys that want to join the, the M-Force community can join from there. Uh, so that's a good place to find me. And then also to check out my stuff at uh, joshreef.net. And I have a free guide on there on how to uh, approach women in the new Me Too era and kind of approach them in a more comfortable, normalized way. So that's a good place to find me. Where were you like uh, 30 some odd years ago when I probably could have used a lot of help in that field? So uh, luckily, I've been married now 26 years and it's my bride's birthday today. So I can't forget about that, Josh. Do you have any recommendations for me? Uh, birthdays, I don't know. But it's interesting you mentioned that. I'm sure we'll get into this, but the whole idea of where was I 30 years ago, it was there, but it was underground. And we'll, you know, we'll get into why that was. So it's an interesting question. And as far as birthday goes, I like, I don't know, what do kids like? Video games? Like, it's, it's a boy, right? No, it's, 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 my, it's my bride, so it's my wife. Oh, it's your wife. Oh, I thought you said your son. Sorry, I, my, my hearing is actually pretty bad. Um, so your wife. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I'm not that good at, at gifts. Uh, you know, that might be my one blind spot here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like, you know, you, the, the key though is communication. So digging in to what she wants without directly asking. So that's what I will say is like everybody wants to be surprised. 
but they still want what they want. So you got to like finesse it and kind of like, you know, let, you know, you're out one night and you're like, oh, this shop looks interesting and let her find something she likes and be like, no, no, that's too expensive. And then you buy for her for her birthday or whatever that is. So, you know, I like the subversion of just like try and guess at it, but like let her lead you to what she wants and kind of like make, still make it a surprise. So I guess that's the best advice I could give. Well, I've got some work to do today, for sure. So, uh, all right, very, very cool. Thank you for that, by the way. And you got your you got your Zen moment going on right there. So I can tell you, you're pretty darn passionate about what it is you're doing with Mforce and being a being the founder of uh, of this venture. So let's let's dial that clock back a little bit. Uh, you and I have visited uh, about your background, and and uh, we've got your bio certainly, but what were your aspirations? You know, you're, you're going through high school and by golly, I'm going to med school. So let's maybe just pick it up and take it from there. Sure. So then the question becomes why, right? And as a young person, you kind of have direction, but you're led by your parents, you're led by society, and you kind of have a feel for what you want, but you don't know. I mean, you're, you're young. Um, I always wanted to help people. You know, when I was little, I, I wanted to cure cancer. I had all these like dreams of whatever I would do, but ultimately I didn't, really have to go into medicine it was the idea of i wanted to help people that was like always my thing is how can i help people out so that's been most of my life it's why i have a lot of friends and so when it was medicine it was more like from my father my father was in a physical therapist so he he went into the medical field very successful in it and he loved it so he encouraged me of course anytime i mentioned it it was a bonding experience for me and my father and then my my father was raised by my grandfather who uh, raised a family of five during the Great Depression. So the idea of entrepreneurship was not a, was very risky back then, and it was just scrape for every dollar. So my dad, being raised with that mindset, had this idea of career. So it was never like start a business. It was like pick a career. So, it, you know, he thought he was letting me choose whatever I wanted, but what I wanted was to be an entrepreneur at heart, but I didn't know this. And I love my dad, and he was a wonderful father. So he's like, pick a career. You could be a lawyer, doctor, accountant, but you got to figure out something secure that's going to have a good paycheck for your family and things like that. And so medicine was easy. I bonded with my dad. I loved helping people. I loved science. And it all made sense to be a doctor every step of the way until I entered the, the U.S. medical system. So hence the fourth, the fourth in the road, right? So uh, a little bit about, and you're not the only one to have said this, certainly. Um, we've had people from the medical profession with, uh, you know, amazingly enough, similar views as what you've shared with me. So let's talk about that fork in the road. Sure. So when I hit that point of I was sick, I was tired, I was working for other people and in hospitals, the entrepreneur in me wanted to have my own medical clinic, my own business. And that was possible 25 years ago. Today, it's not. And, you know, there's many reasons for that. But the entrepreneurial dream of, of a medical profession is gone. You cannot have your own medical clinic and practice. You know, you can, but you want to struggle, right? You, wanna, you, you, can, you cannot have a successful medical practice, uh, in my mind, in the U.S., unless everything aligns perfectly. Um, and so that became the, the straw, you know, that, that got me out of there was, I signed up at 18 with this vision heading forward. And once I saw the reality, I wanted out. Um, so I didn't quit though. I was almost graduating. So I just got my degree and peaced out. I wanted, to, I'm not a quitter. So I had to finish it. 
And then I had needed a job. I had nothing to do. I, I'm not, a, I'm a man. I don't take money from my family. I don't take money from my parents. Uh, so I moved to San Francisco and tried to get jobs. And the first thing I found was a tricycle taxi that my friend suggested. And I actually ended up really enjoying that job, ironically. So <laughs> you that's know, the start of my journey. Yeah, a, a job where you get to meet a lot of people right, mm -hmm. and, and uh, exercise at the same time. So um, now I've been to San Francisco. There's a lot of hills there. Yeah, there's lots of hills. It's actually, it is entrepreneurial because we rent the bikes. We're not employed, we're contracted. So I, I set my own schedule, I had sales, I had to hustle for rides. We were charging $20 and up for a ride. And you know, Grab uh, or Uber was like $5 or $3 for the ride we were driving. So we had to like, I had to work on my sales skills to get to get rides. And, you know, it was very entrepreneurial um, the way that it was set up. So it was a great start for me and to practice my sales skills and ended up in other sales jobs as well. So um, yeah, there were lots of hills. Like I was in fantastic shape, unlike now, but yeah, that was a, it was a great first step into entrepreneurship. And for those wondering, um, you can make some pretty decent money there uh, as, a, as a hustle doing the, uh, doing rides, right? Absolutely. Now it's getting more competitive. People have woken up to it. So there's more people involved. It's more of a stress on the body. I, I think that's what limits people is like you get a few years in there and your body, your knees are starting to wear down. So, uh, but for a year to three, four years, yeah, it's a, it's a good gig for if you're in your uh, 20s or early 30s. So when you, when you made that decision, hey, I'm checking out. Uh, congratulations that you you muscled it all the way through and into something that you knew that was probably fading away from your sights in a career in medicine. Were you worried about um, what other people thought, especially like your, your, your folks or friends? Were you, were you in the least bit concerned about that? What people thought of, nope, I'm done. Well, there, there definitely was some embarrassment. Uh, I actually met another guy who left medical school, so that helped, like we kind of bonded over that. Um, mainly with my father. I knew it was going to be an issue. Uh, I wrote him a letter when I left, and it took him about a year or two before we could have a real phone call together where he wasn't really upset. And he's like, he's not a yeller. He's just a really passionate warrior. And he was just upset, like, how could you do this? Like, you're throwing away your life kind of thing. But just out of love. Like, it never came from a, a negative place. Um, so that was hard. And, you know, I was embarrassed, like, my classmates and things like that, maybe thinking what he's doing. but ultimately I knew I was going to eventually get over it. Like it was just, and I didn't, I had like an awakening that day that I decided to quit one of the best days of my life. I felt free. And, you know, everyone's like, you got the degree, so you can always go back. You can always like, it's a backup plan. And I'm like, that's true. But I, I, I've had ups and downs in entrepreneurship. I've had some dark days, but I've, there hasn't been a single day where I've regretted leaving. Not one. So. That's uh and for those listening that are thinking about making a shift, Josh right here is a, a great example. I mean, the people in the medical field, we hold uh, really high standards for those people that can muscle through and, and the brain power it takes to get through med school. But talk about a shift, the, uh, and, and a big one. But what we're also hearing Josh tell us is the fact that it was, uh, he was free. And he was free to do his uh, to work on his passions and whatever those might be. Now, before you got into what it is that you're doing, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. So you, you did the tricycle, 
tricycle rides, but then you also kind of lean back towards your your uh, your medical love, let's just call it. But um, you were doing some stuff with some apps. You want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. So the initial thought and what my dad tried to convince me is how can I use my medical knowledge and experience in the entrepreneurial state? So uh, he wanted me to go into medical sales, but I wanted my own thing, you know, trying startups or apps or things like that. And I quickly, I was like, I had all these amazing ideas for apps and things that were, you know, I could revolutionize the industry. And I'm like, why don't these things exist? And then I quickly found out it's because of the bureaucracy and the government. You cannot legally do half the apps I wanted to do. Um, so then I, you know, I, I tried to work for startups, consult or whatever, and I just, it never felt right. I didn't care because I was helping companies all of a sudden rather than people. And the whole idea of me going to medicine wasn't to do medical business. It was to help people directly, you know, one-on-one. And so like, yeah, it never, it never really meshed with me as far as, as like sticking with medicine in any way um, other than, you know, helping my friends with their medical issues and my family when they'd call me. Um, But yeah, like working with those types of businesses and startups, it was fun, but I never, I never had any passion for it. So it was easy to let go. So before we get into a few, few of the other items as we, as we talk more about your, your current business and where you're conducting business throughout the world, but let's, let's lighten it up here a little bit. So sure. the, uh, you have something out there, I'm sure you probably do, that, uh, that, that may crack us up a little bit, an experience that maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe at the time wasn't so, so funny yourself, but maybe it was. Yeah. So, yeah, I was thinking of the story that you wanted and, you know, I had the the thing is when I was, when I set on my journey to learn the dating skills and the social skills and all these different things, um, I've done a lot of crazy stuff. Um, And so I, you know, I don't know that there's anything that's PC enough to share. So I'm going to go with a kind of a, it's a fun story though, uh, about socialization and what I realized the power of what I could teach and what I know is uh, when I started down this journey and why I started this men's group is that I was learning these skills from books and on forums and things like that. And when I meant to meet the guys, they would all like just do stuff out of the books. And I was like, wait guys, this is way better if we're friends, if we're supporting each other, if we start like a fraternity, like I had in college. And I kind of like mentored these guys and I had my own mentor and we went out together, whether it was to meet women or just have fun as guys. And it made the experience so much more enjoyable. I was so much more confident and I started to test kind of my limits. And so we went to this, I was actually told this story to my friend the other day. Uh, we went to a bar and uh, you know, guys in the bar, they want to talk to women and they they're like, how do they stand out? And they're always like, this guy's better looking than me. There's all these other things. I don't know what to say. And I have ways to do all these things, but what I'm looking towards a way to kind of get an edge, get a social edge where I can kind of like be the the guy in the the bar. And nobody wants to stand out or be different or be a loser or labeled that way, but I don't care. And so what I did was we went to this bar and they had this guy in the corner making balloon animals. And it was so cheesy and no one was going up to him and maybe like it was, there was like kids or like whatever, like the young teenager you know, old, barely old enough to be in the bar, you know, maybe some of the girls had balloon animals, but nobody's really paying attention to them. So I was like, why don't I get a balloon hat and just walk around with a balloon hat and start talking to women and see how that works. And then, you know, I was like, okay, 
we had a bunch of guys there. I was like, all right, so if I do it on myself, maybe, maybe I can pull, you know, I'm socially standing out. I'm, you know, people are gonna make fun of me, but I don't care. That gives me kind of some power to me because I'm a leader if I don't, if I don't show embarrassment. But then at the same time, I had all these guys in me. We had 10 guys. I was like, let's all get balloon hats. I'll show you guys how this works. So we all had balloon hats and we just started like we were in a group together and all of a sudden the power of the group forms and we're no longer a loner wearing a stupid looking balloon hat. We were 10 guys all wearing balloon hats and we we're having the most fun. So what happened? All the women started congregating around us because we were having the most fun in the bar and we had that power, that social power that we were there. It was almost like we were there for an event. And then what happened after that, all the other guys that in the bar started trying to get balloon hats and copy what we were doing. Um, and there was, you know, that just started a trend. And I've noticed this thing when I'm leading my guys is like, you need to be a trendsetter. That's what's attractive to women. That's what's attractive to other guys is most people are afraid to stand out from the crowd because they don't want to be isolated. They don't want to be made fun of. They don't want to be a loser. And there's reasons for that. There's evolutionary reasons we don't want to stand out from the crowd. But if you stand out and you're not embarrassed to stand out and you own it, you become the leader. You don't, you're, not an, you're not an outsider. You're now the leader and people start following you. And that gets you a lot of social power, social credibility, and makes you attractive to really anyone, anyone around you. Man, I wish I would have tried the balloon hat back in the day. I'm trying to picture you and, and uh, all your buddies running around in there. And, and uh, how much fun. I mean, it, it, takes, it takes some kahunis to do that, but you did it and you it lightened up the uh, affair and, and the way it went. Then all the other dudes in the place tried to uh, copy you guys, but you were the first to the trough. So that, that, that's a fun one. That really is a fun one. Let's talk a little bit more about your about your business specifically. As I mentioned, we're bringing Josh in from Thailand. Uh, he's originally from the United States. Josh, you want to tell us, uh, dive into a little bit more about y- y- your company and, uh, and where you plan on taking it. Sure. Um, so we'll get into more about the industry, but what's interesting about what I do in coaching these men is, you know, I've been doing it for about seven or eight years now but i was doing it kind of in silence and hiding on the side i never really took it seriously as a business because of the industry there's two sides of the industry there's the pickup artist underworld of misogyny of manipulation objectification of women there's just a really dark place and shown in a dark place in the media for a reason and then there's the other side the mainstream hitch cheesy mainstream media relationship focused and I don't fit in either of those categories. And I didn't really know how to like be myself and come out. Ironically, I could do it in person, but not as a coach. And so I had to come to terms with that when, you know, I left my last business. I said, now's the time. And that was uh, at the end of 2018. Uh, I was like, all right, now's the time. And so I finally went public, you know, and actually started the business full time. And I started growing it. And I quickly realized a lot of the embarrassment that, that guys have around this area. And it's hard for them. It's hard for them to share. It's hard for them to talk about it. They're not very public. They want to be anonymous. And so, come, you know, being a coach is also emasculating for a lot of guys. Saying I need help to attract women is hard. And so that's why I really wanted to build it more as a community of men. And that's, you know, I call it M-Force, which is, kind of stands for force of, of man, right? And so I, I, I treat it as like a fun you know, something that guys can be proud of, you know, we, we call it, we're like secret agents. We have like agent names and stuff like that. It's really a fun way to do it. But ultimately I was part of these underground communities, you know, almost like fight club 
where there's a lot of negativity, a lot of bitterness towards women, and it just wasn't right. And I, there doesn't exist that I know of in global men's community that people are, can be proud of, that'll wear a t-shirt to, that'll be like CrossFit, that they'll be proud to say, I'm part of this men's community where we learn dating skills, social skills, you know, leadership skills, all these things, and just learn how to be a masculine man in today's environment with all the negativity around you know, toxic masculinity or Me Too or all these problems. There's really not a voice of, of, of reason in terms of supporting men because apparently men don't need support. I mean, that's what the culture is telling them. And that's why all these negative cultures have arisen in cells and all these things. The culture tells them they're not worthy of help. Um, and so my goal is really with Enforce to build a global community where guys are proud of it and they're proud to be a part of it. And they, they, they share the same values and respect women. And yeah, it's just something that's bigger than, than each other. And we just support each other and we learn together. And, and yeah, we, 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 ta we take, take a step forward. Um, in our masculinity and we're proud of it so. yeah that i mean that's coaching's amazing thing and, and set aside our egos and and maybe maybe not maybe it's not help maybe it maybe that's not the right word but the su supporting one another like what you've done you've made it fun for that community and and certainly you continue to grow that community and and by golly no doubt over the last couple of minutes, the passion just jumped out of on the screen. So, um, I, I I would uh, venture to guess the the men that uh, you're working with today are probably feeling pretty darn good about themselves, and probably look forward to uh, you know in the in the chat groups and and the phone calls and video calls and that stuff. They're probably uh, it's probably a pretty cool thing. Maybe you should wear that balloon hat, you know, to one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I do, I do things like that. I have like this funny hat I wore when I was in Japan. I do, I do other things that are similar to that, but it's really cool. I mean, just, I mean, I've had other businesses and it's nice to get a client and do good, you know, help them with their business, but there's nothing like getting a guy telling you that he just got a girlfriend and he hasn't had one, you know, since his divorce or like guys that haven't been getting dates or matches online are all of a sudden getting tons of dates and matches and guys saying like, I never thought that a woman like, like this woman would ever be interested in me. And she just, you know, went out with me and we've been going on dates together and we're having a great time together. And it's just like, it just feels really awesome to be able to get that kind of result for guys when there's just so much misinformation out there. There's so much negativity out there. There's so much like, you know, all the dating apps, so much confusion and like knowing the system as, and knowing how everything works on such a deep level that I've known for for a decade or more and even before I went down the dating journey I've built social circles since I was young I'm, I'm an extrovert I talk to everyone I know social cues and interactions extremely well and I, I have friends all over the world so you know that's something I never really thought of as like that don't people don't know and I'm like they don't so now I can teach it to them I bet there's a lot of aha moments, you know, when you when you've uh, when you're coaching someone one on one or in in a group. Um, what what's uh, what's an aha moment? Is it is it the first time they visit with you, or is it you know is it a step process? What's that look like, Josh? Um, well, there's aha moments for me and for them as well. So some of the aha moments for me come where uh, I don't I, I I'm not necessarily have been in their shoes because they come from different backgrounds. So I get aha moments where I click and understand them better. And then they get aha moments um, 
it typically comes, there's sometimes when I explain things, but it typically comes when they experience. So they try, they finally push the barrier and they try something I've told them to do. They take an action and they get a different result than they expected. So they do something like wear a balloon hat and they thought they'd be made fun of and then everyone laughed and had fun with them. So that blows their mind and kind of that changes them. That gives them the hot. Or they say this thing or do this thing with a woman. They're like, this isn't going to work. I'm like, try it. Just try it one time. You never tried it before. They try it and it works. And so they ahas. It's hard because it only, ahas really only come with experience. They test something that breaks their prior belief that it was not going to work a certain way and it changes their belief and then they can move forward. And so a lot of my coaching is not just like theory. It's not just this way, that way. A lot of my coaching is just like, here's the challenge. You go and do this thing. And I do it stepwise. So I'm not pushing them to the sharks. I do it so I can ease them into it. But I don't let them off the hook. I, I scale back and say, you know, go talk to this person, you know, at the, go to the pharmacy or whatever and go talk to the, the cashier and have a conversation with that guy or that woman. You know, I'll scale back to something easy, but uh, at the, some point, I'm just like, you got to go do this. And that's the hardest part of coaching, I think, is I can't make them take the action. There's nothing I can do that, that gets them to follow through on what they say. And there's a lot of fear behind it. I break down their fears and things at the end of the day. At the end of the day, they take an action. They have a different result, sometimes success, sometimes failure, but failure that doesn't hurt as bad. So like, you know, one thing we do is we like, I tell them to go give people high fives. And most people like high fives, but some people are annoyed and they don't. And I'm like, look, if that person doesn't give you a high five, the world will not end. And so they get a couple high fives that make them feel good. And some people ignore them or like, why is this guy asking for a high five? And they're like, okay, so they rejected my high five, but am I like a loser now? No, like they don't, they realize that rejection in certain ways isn't as bad as it seems. So those are kind of aha moments too, where they either have a success or they have a failure that just doesn't hurt like they thought it would. So, so very cool. Now, and uh, and that applies not just in the dating scene. I mean, it applies in life in general. I mean, anything, work. Maybe they're uh, maybe they're uh, holding back from making a step like you as being an entrepreneur. Let's talk a little bit about freedom. You uh, you're doing what you're doing now, which is fantastic, and doing a lot of good for for men. But you happen to be in Thailand, so you've been bouncing around a little bit and and seeing parts of the world that maybe you wouldn't have been. Seen have seen uh, as a doctor yeah absolutely so uh freedom is my, is probably my most important value after family because uh, i know family takes time and energy and eventually i want my own family but freedom is after family is probably the most important to me i you know i went today today's a uh, thursday in thailand and you know most people are working you know a job and i went to took a motorbike with a friend we went to mountain and we had lunch at this beautiful cafe overlooking the mountain um and it was fantastic and i was just like if i wasn't an entrepreneur i couldn't go out here on this beautiful thursday i could go on saturday and what if it rained and then i'm, I'm out of luck you know and so i have to wait till saturday what if my friend can't do saturday and so that freedom of just being able to do what i want when i want to i wake up with the sun or an alarm however i feel like um, no one tells me what to do. No one tells me when I have to be somewhere. Um, I don't have to do what I think is a pointless task. 
if I don't want to. Um, so there's great things about freedom. At the same time, though, freedom is overrated because there's burdens that come with freedom and the fact that you feel a little disjointed sometimes, you, your burdens of decision-making, maybe you chose the wrong place, maybe uh, you chose the wrong thing to do for your business, uh, you have all these different options. You know, do I work on this today or that today for your business? No direction. You need clarity. Um, so it's wonderful, but I, I downplay it because it's not for everyone. And you really need to be focused. You need to be driven. You know, you need to be able to get up in the morning and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock out as many hours as it takes to get this thing done. And a lot of people don't, you know, you can't do that unless you really have this drive and this dream and this vision to, to see it succeed. Um, so I'm, I'm uh, starting in 2013 and it's 2019. So six years, seven years into this. And yeah, I just, you know, I've had ups and downs and you gotta be able to ride it out. So uh, I love the freedom though. I do love the freedom. That is, that is terrific. What's in, in your tours of Asia or any other place in the world, what's been, uh, what's been maybe one that you would go back two or three times and to uh, experience it again? Sure. So Thailand and Vietnam are my favorites. Uh, very nice people, affordable living, lots to do, great culture, great food. Uh, so really love Thailand and Vietnam. I keep going back between the two. Uh, and then to visit, I love Japan. Um, Japan's such a beautiful country, fresh air, nice people, fantastic food things to do. Tokyo's great. Like everything's modern transportation and everything. And yeah, I just love, absolutely love Japan. Um, I wouldn't, you know, it's a little pricey to live there. There's reason, other reasons I wouldn't live there, but to, to live, I love Thailand and Vietnam and to visit, I would say Japan. Got it. And was there a language barrier? Yeah. So that, that's the thing about Japan is it feels very isolating. That's why I wore a funny hat in Japan and it made me feel that people would laugh and smile at me. So it made me feel less isolated. Uh, but J J Japanese speak almost no English, whereas Thai and Vietnamese, they try, and there's actually some that speak enough English to, to have a conversation. Ah, very neat. Well, I think I know this answer, uh, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask it anyway. When you made that, uh, that, when you approached the fork in the road to make your decision um, following med school, or while you were in med school, but you, again, you finished it out, did you make that decision with your head or your heart? uh both really i mean you you can't remove the head but the heart was leading it and then the head kind of nodded in agreement um but it, it came to it came to a turning point it came to a head because uh, i applied for residencies and i just knew i guess the heart did lead because i would go for these interviews for residency and i was supposed to be excited to start my work as a doctor just graduating medical school and i didn't care and I actually didn't match with any residency, luckily, because it's a you know, binding contract. Um, but I didn't care. And I think I was like, how did I not get a residency? My head was like, and I'm, my heart's like, of course you didn't. And they could tell you didn't care. You didn't want to be there. They knew. And my grade, you know, my scores were okay. But ultimately, like, I kept, you know, trying to get residency, you know, and, but every time I would fail at, at landing a job, I, I was happier. I was like relieved that I didn't get the job. My dad's like, you didn't get this one, but try for another one. And I apply for another one and I didn't get it. And I was just happy every, every time I failed, I was happy, I was relieved. And so that was like the final straw that just told me. I was like, I was sick all the time. I was stressed. I was depressed for two and a half years and in denial about my depression. And I never 
really been depressed before other than a couple months here and there, you know, temporary stuff. Um, but yeah, it was just like the day that I made the decision, I was like in a crazy state of euphoria. Actually, I had to go see a doctor. I was, I was a little worried about myself. I was so euphoric that I was leaving. And so like, it was just, yeah, most people struggle with the decision, but I had a like day of awakening and I was just, I, I got to tell this story because it just came to my mind because um, it's so relatable. And I don't know if I believe in fate or destiny or all this stuff, but I was in San Diego at the time and I was like, you know, running down the boardwalk back and forth, you know, and just waiting for my residency calls to come in and back and forth. And then I made this decision, everything. And then I saw, I was on YouTube or something, this video of this guy who was a surgeon for like 20 years and he was tired of it and he was divorced and he was like, I want to live my life and be happy. So I'm going to rollerblade. I'm just going to rollerblade for, for every day for like eight hours a day. And he had plenty of money. And so we went and retired at like 50, started rollerblading for six to eight hours a day. And he'd go very slow, almost like meditative. You know, he'd go very slow. They called him slow-mo and he'd ride back and forth. And it was just a random video I, I found on YouTube. And then I looked at where it was and it was in San Diego and I had been passing him every day when I was running and I had no idea. And so I don't know whether his like, he rubbed off on me or whatever, but his happiness of leaving medicine coincided perfectly with the day that I ended up leaving medicine. So I don't know, freaky stuff for me, but I was just like very powerful moment. Yeah, I got goosebumps, seriously, you know? You know, I'm not sure about destiny or any of those types of things, but but uh, things happen for a reason. I do believe that. Yeah, definitely. That was just a, a moment. We always try to pass along a, a a good read. Is there a uh, is there a book that uh, you've recently read, or maybe you've read long long time ago, outside of those medical journals? But uh, anything that uh, you could recommend to our listeners? Sure. So I've read so many, so many books. Um, but yeah, lately, last few years, I've been reading self-help and, you know, and business books and sales books. And one that comes to mind because it was such a different take was, uh, never split the difference by Chris Voss. Uh, if you've done sales for a long time, even if you're new to sales, it's just such a powerful thing. He talks about negotiation. He has experience as an FBI negotiator and it's just, he's negotiating with terrorists. So if you can negotiate with terrorists, you can negotiate with a prospect to sell them something. Like his negotiation tactics for, for terrorists are next level. And it, it talks about empathy and really identifying with the person as a human being. And yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic book. Um, you got to read into it. It's just stories. You know, you got to understand the concepts. And he doesn't just like lay it out for you directly. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love that book and highly recommend it for getting to know your clients and your customers and on an emotional human level and really understanding how to persuade someone in your direction for almost anything that you want, as long as it's getting, it's a win-win. You help them, they help you. Um, but it's not about negotiation. It's always about money. It's like this price, that price. And he takes that out of the equation. So it's not about the money. It's about, it's about the negotiation as human beings. So it's very cool. Book. I have to agree. I loved that book. And in fact, loved it so much, read it twice. And uh, it was a real, really, really good book. I don't think I would collect much uh, dust in our in our office here. All right, let's. Uh, why don't we? Why don't we let people remind people again your business, where they can find you, Josh, and uh, and then we'll begin to wrap things up. 
Sure. So like we discussed, uh, I run M-Force, a global men's community, helping guys gain confidence in dating, social skills, leadership, um, for whatever they want to do in their life, you know, to get out there and expand their horizons and meet new people. Um, so that's our, that's our paid community. And then we also have a, a Facebook group. And the best way to find that is just search for my name, Josh Reef and uh, connect with me, add me as a friend, that's always cool. And all the information is there for how to join. Uh, and then the best way to, to get connected with some of my material is to go to joshreef.net and uh, have a free guide for how to approach women uh, and make them feel comfortable in, in today's Me Too environment. So, you know, that's, that's probably the best way to get started. That's fantastic. Josh, you've been a, a wonderful guest and it's a it's a just a compelling story budding entrepreneurs out there um you've you've heard it here it can be done it's not always easy but you could just tell from the uh josh's voice when he starts talking about what he's doing today and or those days when he figured out being a doctor wasn't going to be fulfilling for him but his voice certainly picks up his smiles on and when he's talking about uh force so with with that josh thank you Thank you again. This is Brent Newhane with Breaking Business Barriers signing off. You've been listening to Breaking Business Barriers. For more information or if you have a compelling story to tell, find us on Facebook at Open Media Source.